Welcome back to the Trees and Nylon podcast. I am your host, Trees and Nylon. You can call me Trees. And I'm joined today by the woman who probably camps the most out of anyone in the entire United Kingdom and the Snow Peak scholar herself, Emily Dillon. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for coming to First Camp as our oh, okay. first traveling guest. Uh, you know, I hope to retain that um, that title when a second camp eventually happens in the future <laughs> <laughs> i hope you'll come back did I you so enjoy too. the experience yeah it was really fun i had never been i don't know from what i can tell those kind of like camping festivals are more common in the uk but i had never been to one before well i think what we tried to do i hope was quite unique to the uk but i'm not entirely sure mm. i don't know if that's really talking it up too much but I think <laughs> I think we really look to try and create a sense of community and I feel like mm -hmm. you and your gang really embrace that um I think Definitely. that was what was really nice about what happened and for me the best thing about working on that project is working so cl closely with the guys outside of store mm -hmm. who were so creative and brilliant and um I hope that kind of collaborative feeling was felt at the event as well and I think it we keep talking at Snow Peak about connecting people to nature and each other. And that's mm -hmm. really what we felt we were trying to do. I think you did a very good job of it. Um, I felt, yeah, talking about the community and all that. I know that me and the gang, as you called it, walked over to like a bunch of different campsites and just were hanging out with other people, people that, you know, were not part of this niche Instagram scene that I'm a part of, you know, but just like, you know, we played some football or soccer for the american viewers we just we, we kicked around we went swimming we watched movies together it was really good it was it was a sense of community that it was nice to see so you definitely nailed that one great we're actually organizing our second camping event of the year at the moment so oh, yeah? it will be interesting because this is actually more closely based on what we do in japan which mm -hmm. is called the snow peak way so it's more snow peak absolute um i mean i hope the outsiders guys will come i actually need to ring them and invite them but um mm -hmm. yeah it's just about the brand and it's about the tents it's very focused on the snow peak community rather than lots of different ones mm -hmm. um so it'll be interesting how that differs and the different feeling and experience people have from it interesting and when i look it up it says it brings staff and is there a North American Snow Peak way or is it all always in Japan? Uh, no, we do them in Korea. In Korea, mm. people take their cats camping with them. Oh. It absolutely <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> I had never heard of that. I, I, honestly, I'd never heard of it either until I went to Japan a few weeks ago. Um, we do mm. it in, we do do it in America. We do it uh, in Taiwan, Korea and Japan. So we do over 30 a year in Japan. Wow. Um, I went to Kochi on my first ever Snow Peak Way um, in typhoon-like weather. So it was quite an experience for me. Interesting. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like a very good time. Typhoon-like weather. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound very good. I kept saying, like, will people actually come to this event? Because I've never seen so much rain in my life. It was <laughs> biblical, is the only word uh -huh. I can use to describe it. And uh, no one um, was put off by the weather. And even though I was running to the loo, I was wearing Blundstone boots, mm -hmm. um, that kind of classic style. And I kept running to the loos and just emptying the water out of them. <laughs> and then like going back and then being like, oh my wow. goodness, I really thought I was going to get 
trench foot. <laughs> I used to avoid it. Um, I actually nice. put mop heads into my shoes to mm-hmm. soak up the water. It was so, so wet. But- that is crazy. I, I just recently talked to Mr. Bianco from uh, Sabukaru uh, in Japan over there. And he was talking about the weather there is just insane. Like Like you were saying, it's just pouring rain all the time or it's really, really nice, or it's really humid. And you kind of just have to, I remember him, this is what it was. He was talking about, um, and obviously for the viewers who have listened, his episode will come out before this one. So it'll be old news, but uh, right now it's new. He was talking about you dress for, you know, any situation you can during the day. So he'll get on his bike in the morning and he'll be like, I might have to put on a rain jacket and just slog through. And like, it's going to get soaked, especially when it's like monsoon season, like it's going to get soaked through. And I just have to have like an extra shirt in my bag, or I just have to deal with it and everyone just kind of lives like that when it's when it's uh, the rainy season over there well i also remember turning to a colleague of mine jamie and it gone from really pouring rain to really really hot sun really mm-hmm. quickly <laughs> and he actually had steam lines coming off his head and i was like i can't be real uh, yeah. but it really was it's really extreme it's it's quite amazing yeah we get Have that you've been out the- to japan I have. Yeah. Famously, it's kind of a meme on the podcast that I talk about how much I've been to Japan when I've only been there once. But I went there back in 2018 for a week with my mom. She used to teach over there. Um, she was she taught on a naval base. And so she met a lot of people from Japan and made a lot of friends. And we went and visited them. And then my friend was doing study abroad and he's Japanese. So he took me around. My mom's friends took her around and we just had a nice little time in Tokyo. And I wish we had gone out, but I wasn't into the whole camping thing yet. So I kind of just stayed in Tokyo and explored that for a week. And I still didn't see everything. And I still missed a lot. Like I didn't go to an Ann Wander store. I didn't go to um, Nepenthes. I didn't go to Nanamika. I didn't go to any of that. I wasn't into that yet. I went to like Supreme and Dave stores and stuff. <laughs> so I missed out a little bit, but I'd love to go back at some point. Did you do like a cat cafe or any? Yes, like, I did do a cat course? cafe. I did. Yeah, I did. I went to a cat right. cafe. I went to Shabu Shabu. I got... Gyukatsu, obviously ramen, sushi, Tokyo. I did like some touristy things and I did some of the like, you got to go do things in Tokyo, you know. Um, it was a really good time. It was really fun. I'd, I'd love to go not back just to Tokyo, but also like see more of the countryside because I didn't get to see any of that yeah. except on the train from the airport to Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this time when I went, I landed in Tokyo and just went straight on the bullet to head office in uh, Nagasa. Mm-hmm. My pronunciation is also awful, so I apologize <laughs> to any Japanese people listening to this. Um, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Um, and it's so beautiful there. And our head office is a huge campsite, so we actually camped with the whole of the international team for a night. Wow, um, that's so cool. It's really quite special, yeah. I'm going to look up a picture of it right now. I actually have one I can show you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, no, I don't I'm like, do I have it? I've got the catalogue because obviously I'm traveling to a yeah, trade yeah. show at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Touched on earlier. Um, and what I love about head offices is I always joke that they look a bit like a Bond villain's palace, but then they're <laughs> in beautiful countryside. It's really uh-huh. amazing. Um, I'm trying to find it. I love that you're looking stuff on the computer and I'm just flicking through a catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've actually got the wrong year catalogue because I gave you false hope actually and I can't show it to you, I'm afraid. No, it's a, I've seen, I'm, I'm looking at some pictures right now. Oh yeah, I am getting the Bond villain vibes. Just a big glass building in the middle yeah. of, a, of a rolling hill. Yeah. Oh, so that, there you go. I actually do have a picture. Can you see uh-huh. that? 
Oh, wow. It's it's really special. And it's got a museum mm. now, which is completely amazing. And I was saying to mm. our um, managing director, like I first went to Snow Peak. When I first started working, I'd only been been with the brand for three months and going back to the museum with this deeper appreciation of the products and understanding of them was just incredible and kind of the evolution that we've seen mm. in the brand I am um, I'm really lucky to work for a brand which I think is absolutely incredible and work with a really amazing team out in Japan as well who are really inspiring yeah I mean I'm not I'm not trying to just be a kiss ass here, but few brands have the like brand ethos that Snowpeak does. That's just like in every product you look at, you can say, like, oh yeah, that like that's definitely Snowpeak. The like minimalism, the craftsmanship behind it all. It's all it's very, very cool. It's always Do you like, have any snow? Yeah, I got a mug right here. Is that um, the first camp mug? <laughs> no, actually, this is the first camp mug. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I, ha- I have a double wall mug and I have a single wall mug and I have a spork and my friend actually, his parents had a snow peak. Um, uh, what's the word? Like rainfly kind of not rainfly awning, I guess is the right word. I don't know. Just something, not a, not a full tent. I don't know what tarp. the snow peak. Yeah. Like a tarp. Yeah. They had one of those and they had never used it and it was in the packaging still. And they're like, they're moving back to Japan. And he said, they're, they don't want to take it. They've never used it. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then we got to the site and it was like missing two poles. And I was like, oh man, that kind of sucks. But it was cool to have. So, and like, I can, I can buy stuff for it. Well, and it might not be that it's missing two poles. So what mm-hmm. really blew my mind when I started working with Snoopy, I was like, why do they do so many tents without poles? And it's actually mm-hmm. because in Japan, uh, space is so tight and people have like eight or nine different snow peak tents that they take mm-hmm. camping if they go with their family with their friends so they actually do a lot of tarps with no poles so you can chop and change them depending on where you're going and mm-hmm. it's about being I, I don't know sustainable in terms okay. of you don't need loads of the same poles and a lot yeah. of them you can use in different tents so yeah. oh okay interesting so look on our website I think you need a 180 and a 210 what Tarp is it? Do you know, is it like a? I have a, no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's <laughs> it's in my car right now. I could I could get it out and see what what it looks like. Here, let me. I can I can go in the shop and just see if I can see a picture of it. There's one that I refer to as um, looking like a. Do you know what a shed is? Shed roof. Mm-hmm. Does that mean yeah. anything in America? Like very mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of triangular. And yeah, then the yeah. other one is like a bit fancier with kind of like an arc cut in the side so they're two very different types of shape mm-hmm. um, and then there's one I, that swings around as well i think it's a mm, i don't know <laughs> i think it's a takiri tarp <laughs> hexa oh, amazing i think it's one of those that's that's a picture that's... i saw online but it doesn't look anything like this it's very old so it's it's like okay. gray. It's not gray. It's like brown and red. I don't know. <laughs> it might <laughs> it might be the amenity the amenity top. Maybe we'll just pick up on it after the call, and I'll tell you what poles you need to use it. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I can bring it up, and I can just like show you all the pieces on the camera, and we can we can work through it together. But I'd love to use it. I'd love to carry it around, especially for like car camping. Because last time I went car camping, um, just I went to the Smoky Mountain National Park here. It's like two hours away for me, three hours, and uh, we had like twelve guys up there, and it was raining almost the whole time. And so last second, my friend brought a huge. Um, 
a tarp awning, whatever you want to call it. It was giant. And uh, we put our, we cooked our food under that, but it would, it would have been nice to have a second one to kind of just have more people sit under because there were so many people. And I brought that yeah. snow peak one with the, with the hope that it would kind of act as that. And then I just could not get it, um, cannot get it working, but it's what it is. Sometimes um, I, I love to just make things up as I go along. There wasn't a, a tree to attach it to that would have worked. No, the way the way that we were, I would have had to attach it to um, to the other awning because, like, the way the campsite was set up, we had all our tents in a certain area, and, and all the trees were being used, and they were like on the other campsite. We went to two campsites. It's it's a lot. It was a lot. But I was thinking the same thing. Like, I can just string it up on something else. But besides where we wanted to put it was just the road or like the road in between campsites. So there was like nothing over there, which sucked. But it's okay. And I'll figure it out. And like, I'll, I should probably have set it up in my yard before I went and tried to set it up. But I just went in <laughs> blind and uh, just thought I could do it, but probably not. Well, uh, did you have a good time despite the rain and not being oh, able yeah, to use yeah. the top? Super good time. It's called Type 2 Fun, where it's not fun in the moment, but it's fun when you look back on it <laughs> and trudging down a mountain and it's just pouring torrential rain. Uh, it was like a nice test to see how long will Gore-Tex, Gore-Tex last under extreme conditions. And for my La Sportiva boots, it was about halfway. It was about like four or five miles of torrential rain before they started soaking through. Um, my friend had just gotten a new jacket and that didn't get soaked at all because it was fresh. Mine that had been worn a couple of times. I needed to reapply um, the the tech wash on it, but you know, you learn these things, and it, it was fun looking back on it because, like, man, we all struggled together down that mountain, which is which is fun. <laughs> was it um, windy at the same time, or was it just the constant rain? No, it was just the constant rain, just the rain. Okay, which well, is good. That is okay, I think. When it's wind and rain, that's when you really yeah. have a real struggle. <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And we, we had a lot of tree coverage too, which was nice, but yeah, just rain. And then as soon as the rain ended, it was hot. So not great, but it is what it is. Um, well, anyway, this is not a podcast about talking to you about Snow Peak. I mean, it, it is today it is, but it's not a podcast about me <laughs> reminiscing on stories, which it also is. This is a podcast about getting to know you a little bit better, talking about trees and nylon. So we're going to um, go through both of those topics, trees and nylon, working through a past, present and future progression with both of them. So the question I have for you is, which would you like to start with, trees or nylon? Should we start with nylon? Awesome. Start with nylon. So tell me a little bit about, now we can do nylon as in hexatarps from Snow Peak, or we can also do nylon as in clothing as well. <laughs> um, you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the whole fashion industry or getting dressed yourself, liking clothing, anything like that. Okay. Um... I guess it was quite an unconventional route that I got into the fashion industry. But I studied textile design. So I was up at mm-hmm. Manchester University, which I know you spent some time in Manchester. I did, You're in yes. the UK. <laughs> um, and I wove a lot of fabrics. Actually, Nigel Caborn was a visiting lecturer, and he came oh, wow. and really liked my work. Yeah, wow, and I met that's Nigel. Feel good. <laughs> it felt great. And I found him so inspiring and I loved his Edmund Hillary collection so much. Um, I just thought it was the most brilliant body of work. And for me, fashion hadn't been that kind of like genuine or thoughtful before. I'd always just mm-hmm. seen it very differently. And I loved the history piece that Nigel yeah. like, was weaving into his collections. And we'd worked on a Scott collection and 
Yeah, it just felt very different. So basically, he set this this project on camouflage, and I studied weave. So I took photos of my grandfather when he did his national service in Korea, and I looked at the tire. He drove an ambulance in Korea during his national service, and I looked at all the tire tracks and all the photos, mm-hmm. turned that into a camo, and I wove it. Um, oh wow! And I knew Nigel liked old shit, so oh, I shouldn't swear. Sorry. <laughs> no, you can swear. You can swear. <laughs> can I? Okay, great. Yeah. Great. yeah. Um, so yeah, he loves old stuff. And I, after I completed and spent weeks and weeks weaving all these fabrics, I was living in this crazy house with nine other friends. And <laughs> oh, wow. uh, we, <laughs> it was quite a wild, quite a wild existence. <laughs> um, so I gave each person a fabric piece and I just said, can you just fuck it up? I was like, make it look old, do whatever you want. My friend mm. Alex, he deep fat fried one. Someone else just like went and rubbed it against the wall. So all these fabrics that I spent so long making pristine mm. and beautiful, I gave to people to ruin. And then I presented it as like different aging processes and like ah. this is meant to look old and reflect it. And Nigel just, of course, like loved the one that had been deep fat fried, loved mm. like the different patterns that it created. Um, so yeah, he then said, come and work for me. And it was amazing. So I'd never wow. thought I'd be an apparel designer. And still now I don't, I look back on it and I didn't think I really was. Like Nigel's a genius. I just helped him facilitate his design. So it's a mm. lot of looking at vintage military garments, looking at different kind of like 80s sportwear he loves as well and pulling in different elements and creating these amazing new silhouettes and I think I was really lucky that when I joined Nigel it -hmm. was just a guy called Drew me and Nigel and we re kind of like invented what it was about and when I did the collection on my grandfather he said oh I didn't think I could do someone a collection on someone in my family he's like my uncle Pete was in the RAF why don't we do a collection on him Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe I've inspired you to do something. Nigel. <laughs> like you're so inspiring. Yeah. Um, and I, I had like an amazing baptism of fire of like creating these collections with Nigel, um, going to Paris Fashion Week. It was the first time in 20 years he'd showed up Paris Fashion Week. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Um, so yeah, he's been a, a massive influence on me. And, you know, I still am in touch with Nigel and mm-hmm. actually Kay, who's my big boss in Japan. He worked with Nigel for years as well. So it's a really nice, like, kind of relationship that I've had kind of that whole time. And when I worked at Filson, Nigel got me the job at Filson. Um, <laughs> of course, that's an American brand that people might know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's kind of been my route. But I think it kind of leads into trees a little bit that I have. That's what cool. I yeah. had, should I say, <laughs> what I like <laughs> to refer to as my turning 30 crisis. Um, so after I left Filson, I... Um, yeah, I left a really good job and I walked across Spain on a route called the Camino de Santiago um, mm. and I got really addicted to it. I ended up walking 1,600 kilometers in six weeks. Oh, wow. Um, walked all across the north coast of Spain. I stayed in albergas. I like set off on my own, like walked with these people who were absolutely amazing. And yeah, it was a really interesting experience. And then I went through this period in my early 30s about having a job doing mm. another weird traveling trip, going out to Costa Rica, mm. living in Morocco for four months. I had this real, um, just like, well, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to spend more time outdoors. And I think that's ultimately what led me to Snow Peak was I just love that I do camp probably like 50 nights a year, probably more now, actually. That's um, crazy. We're actually on our way at the moment. <laughs> we're on our <laughs> way to 
Well, Dusseldorf today mm. and Berlin tomorrow. And we're camping with some customers in Berlin, uh, just in the east side of Berlin. And then we drive up to Copenhagen. And they actually have like the Woodward team, the Norse team. And there's an amazing department store called Illum. They're all coming and joining us camping. So it's again about bringing different communities together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really lucky that I've got a job. That I just feel like is everything my career has kind of been working towards at the yeah. moment. <laughs> which sounds a bit extreme. It sounds like I've like really drunk the Kool-Aid and I'm in the cult. <laughs> no, it sounds awesome. It sounds like you had some insane experiences and a lot of, I don't know. I don't even know. I guess ex- I want to say experiences again, but that's just, that's boring to say that again. Moving on to now with, with the nylon section of everything. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, obviously you wear Snow Peak, but besides that, what are some things that you're into? How would you describe how you dress? your style, um, what are some things that you're into nowadays that you see other people wearing maybe that you like, that kind of thing? Yeah, I'd say my style, I mean, I wear Snow Peak 90% of the time. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. I love the COP. Again, I've really drunk the Kool-Aid. I'm talking about it. <laughs> I mean, like, they're paying you, so you might I, as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd probably still do it if they didn't. That's the worrying thing. Yeah, that's the right um, answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> Um, so, like, I love, I love to wear like Prada with Snow Peak. Mm. I love to wear like vintage Nigel Coburn with Snow Peak. Mm. Lots of my wardrobe has come from, um, like where I've worked basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like APC. I like those kind of like classic brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of mix them with mainly Snow Peak. Unfortunately, yeah. that's a really crap <laughs> answer, isn't it? <laughs> No, it's good. I mean, obviously the answer is Snow Peak, but what other brands besides Snow Peak? That and you, you well, answered. That's I, good. That's good. I, I also I feel like I, I mean, my, I have the great like nylon Prada jacket. <laughs> I don't actually wear a lot of tech fabrics. So, like, I wear mm-hmm. Birkenstocks, and my trainer of choice is actually a mm-hmm. brand called Good News, um, and it's uh, run by my friend Ben, who's actually a, mm-hmm. a huge Snow Peak fan himself. And they're amazing trainers that you can completely recycle. They're actually trying to make out of the rubber soles. They're trying to make children's playgrounds. So when they wear out, they then break down the material and then reuse the rubber. And then they're trying to recycle all of that cotton that is used in a natural shoe. So I think that's, I'm I'm really hard on shoes, basically. Mm -hmm. So I need things that, first of all, nylon doesn't suit me for footwear because I always joke that I've got really sweaty feet. So it's really unpleasant. I I, I really do. I love Danas. I have Dana Light, which I would do all my walks in. Um, I think they're like the best hiking boot I've ever had. But when I walked the Camino de Santiago, a classic example is like I wore um, the Nigel Caborn jacket, which was I've actually got here with me today, the first mm. one I ever worked on with Nigel, and it was in our Japanese line. And um, mm. I wore a pair of leggings, a cotton T-shirt, um, a Filson bag that I designed in collaboration with Mr. <laughs> Porter, which was wow. amazing. It was this roll top that became part of the range, and my Red Wing Iron Rangers. And everyone kept saying to me, you don't look much like a pilgrim. And I was like, well, I don't have any blisters. And I'm walking like 45 kilometers a day. I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> so sorry, I'm not wearing any nylon. It's probably not what I should say on this cast, is it? No, no. Um, uh, it's just nylon. Nylon is in reference to just clothing in general. That's why I ask. Nylon is for all the clothes, but it is trees and nylon. So you know, watch yourself a little bit. But I'm looking up the, I'm trying to find the <laughs> Philson Mr. Porter backpack. And I think I found it. Oh, it's years and years ago. It's probably about seven years ago. Mm. 
so yeah that was it was a really great project we did I think six pieces uh, mm-hmm. exclusively for Mr Porter and it's funny how it ties into nature because one of my best company experiences of last year was when two buyers from Mr Porter came and it was one of those things where it was really getting into how am I going to host camping how for all these people get taken out to fashion shows and they do all these ritzy things are so going to make it relevant and fun and um what was great about it is when I, Jamie, who was our old store manager, who comes and helps a lot of the camping events, you probably met him at first camp. Mm. Um, he had taken the guys down already and I was driving down with all the stuff. And I get down to the field and Sammy is up a tree and I was like, oh my God, he's going to fall down. And I see Simon with a gun and I'm like, where has he got the <laughs> gun from? And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and what had happened was that where we are based in um, in Surrey in the UK, um, mm. it's re- a really beautiful estate. It's called the... Maybe I shouldn't say that publicly, but it's on this amazing estate. Sure, I'll, and be, that's I'll where we take it out. We can gatekeep it. But that would be great. Thanks very much. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I was like, oh God. Um, <laughs> and... It is. It's really beautiful. And there's a gameskeeper there because they have a shoot and he looks after the land and he's a real salt of the earth character called Tony. He gives me all the gossip that's going on on the estate. <laughs> and um, yeah, his grandson had come and was testing out his new gun and that's why Simon had it. And they did target passages. And I learned so much that night about how he manages the estate. Um, I now have to call him if um, I hear anyone who's shot anything and it's not him or his grandson because it's normally poachers, it's, uh-huh. uh, we're really in the community, um, in the place where the office is, which I won't say again. I really want to keep saying it. I don't know why. Of course. <laughs> um, I have a question about that. This is in the UK. I thought that there were like no guns in the UK. Can you use guns for hunting still or? You, you can, yeah. Yeah, and I think when I was at Filson, it's I first of all started just in kind of fashion stores, a bit like mm-hmm. we did with Snow Peak, and now we're in like great outdoor partners like Ellis Brigham, um, we work really closely with. Um, I actually got Filson into the shooting, hunting, fishing scene, and there's an amazing place. If you're oh. ever in Birmingham, it's called Wesley Richards, and it is one of the best stores I've ever been to in that it really commits to what it does. And Simon, the owner, used to live above the shop and down in the basement, there was a ballistics alley. So he used to test out the guns in the ballistic Uh alley. You know, when someone really commits to something and they really make it amazing, he worked with the best master engravers, his guns. I I don't, I I actually really don't like shooting. When I was at Filson, I used to have Mm. to go every quarter with the team Mm. And it made me really nervous to hold a loaded gun, which sounds oh, really neurotic, I know. <laughs> but I didn't like the feeling. I uh-huh. like, would shoot the clays and it would be fine. But there was something about having that feeling of destruction that made me feel oh. really uncomfortable. Do you shoot? Um, infrequently, but yes. Yes, I, I shoot. You know, me here in America, we just go to the backyard and we just... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it, I have shot a gun before. And I'm looking at the ones that you're talking about, the Wesley Richards. <laughs> And you're talking about the um, attention to detail and all that. They look super intricate. They look awesome, honestly. All the engravings yeah, on it. Um, it's not saying I'm into, but the craft of it and the way that they present it is amazing. So I'm just going to apologize in case there's some strange sounds that are coming through yeah. on the podcast. We're actually we're driving to a trade show in Copenhagen via Germany, but we came on a freight front tunnel, which is really fun in the freight. Uh, tunnel you drive in and it's got open sides and the first time we came on this morning it was a real novelty but 
when we arrived for the first time, mm. the guy came over and was like, you're from Snow Peak. I love Snow Peak. He started talking to me about the jacket that he'd got. To mm. a long story short, they didn't really check our paperwork properly <laughs> because we were too busy talking about a Snow Peak jacket. So <laughs> we get to France and we hand over all our paperwork being like, great, we're going on to Germany. And they were like, no, your paperwork's completely wrong. And we were like, what? It got checked. It got checked by Kev. And Kev? Vince, Vince. Vince, who loved Snow Peak. And they were like, no, it's completely wrong. We have to go back to the UK. So we got put back on the train, came back to the UK. We had to wait for two hours to get a stamp. Brexit mm. is basically awful in the UK. <laughs> um, and to cut a short short, because someone loved Snow Peak, it meant we came to France, went back to France. We're now back on our way to Germany, finally. And we'll be in Dusseldorf very late this evening. So... <laughs> a, a a fellow Kool Aid drinker is the reason that you couldn't get in couldn't get in yep. France. That's very sad, but it's also very cool. Yeah. It's I love a Snow Peak. <laughs> really is it? Really is Snow Peak's a joy, but sometimes it's really hard work. I'd say that's mm. the story of my life. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it because I mean all the things that we've been working around for trying to get you on this. You're like, oh, I'm going to be in this country. I'm actually going camping. And then I'm going to, I'm going here for a meeting and I'm going camping again. And as we're talking right now, you are on the way to going to camp again, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. But also to awesome. do a trade show. So we've really like tied okay. a lot of stuff in. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Camping in two different countries and then one trade show. And then we're actually going on to Sweden as well. So yeah, it's it's a little bit crazy. Wow, wow. Well, you're making it work. Um, rounding off the nylon section, let's talk about your, uh, for the future. How do you think your style will change in the future? How do you think mainstream style or this outdoor fashion scene that you're in will change in the future? Uh, anything like that? What, what are your predictions as a professional? Well, I mean, sustainability for me is the most overused word, and I don't think anyone really understands it but I use mm -hmm. it every day. So I'm mm -hmm. going to talk about sustainability um, because obviously it's where the world needs to move to and we need to buy less. We need to buy better. Um, we need to buy products that are really made to last. Mm -hmm. um, we've developed some incredible technology um, in Japan. Uh, we've partnered with a recycling company called Bring um, and we can actually strip down really old tents. We can pull off all the coatings that they have on them. Mm. We've actually got this amazing flatbed knitting machine in our head office where we're mm. making garments out of old tents that are completely degraded. And I keep saying to people, well, is that, does that use more carbon than if we made it from new? But actually they've developed the process so it doesn't. Um, mm. There's also a massive announcement, which I'd love to be able to make right now that Snow Peak is doing. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think I can until it's released by our partner company. Um, but good. I think I think what is exciting is that, you know, where a lot of people are moving to electric vehicles, they want to becoming more considered. And they're really thinking more about the choices they make as a consumer, um, which I think is always important. I think, you know, the, the world is a pretty big, big place at the moment. And I think certainly in Europe, you know, the war is going on with Russia and Ukraine and you kind of mm -hmm. despair. But I think it's like we can all make small changes in our lives to make things a little bit better. And I think that's what everyone needs to remember when things are feeling a bit much, that actually we can make choices as, con as consumers about where we spend our money, about who we spend it with, to make sure that we're... And people are probably listening to me saying this thing, like, well, Snow Peak make loads of overpriced gear. We don't want to spend <laughs> any money with them, which, you know... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I don't think that we do. I think ultimately what we try to do is bring people together and create a community. Is mm-hmm. the Kool Aid is coming out again? Oh yeah. But I'm filling up a glass. You asked me. Hey, I'm filling up a glass right I, now. <laughs> you know, what I said I go off on one, and then I never yeah. really answer the question. Where do I think trends are going? I think every company has to be more conscious about mm-hmm. how they're recycling. Um, materials how they're they're building and constructing things so that they can be replaced like i think it's wrong that if one tiny thing breaks on anything you're buying that you have to replace the whole thing we need to look at more circular manufacture and i think that's where everything is going there are companies that do it really really well at the moment and you know i really admire how patagonia have been uh, banging that drum for a very long time Um, Mm -hmm. where do you think where do you think the industry is going i agree i think sustainability is really big and like actual sustainability and in in like upcycling recycling making products that actually last like i think fast fashion is one of the worst things that happened to the industry shein zara h&m like i understand it's getting more people into fashion like they have to start somewhere but a lot of people get into that and then they say okay now i'm set like i can just keep buying the next new trend micro trend that comes out every two months and like just throw away the rest of the clothes that I have. And I think that's really awful. And that's the difference between style and fashion is that style has longevity and fashion doesn't. Um, And I think, yeah, in in this scene, at least a lot of it does revolve around like, yeah, you're in an industry to make product. You know, all these companies are making things. They have to continue to make things. But at the same time, I'd really love to see some companies do kind of what Patagonia does, you know, like Arcteryx, really is trying to hit that mark i think um starting their not rebird but whatever their new program is that they just launched recently i just saw an ad for it the other day can look it up really quick but i think for me as well though it's just not about it's not only about clothing we need to think about it you know it's every Mm -hmm. aspect of our lives without sounding too doom and gloom and i think when i um you know touched on my turning 30 crisis earlier as well mm-hmm. as doing all this amazing traveling, I had lots of different jobs. Actually, the job yeah. I had before Snoopy was with an amazing salvage yard. And they used to go around to like museums and loads of places and take away all the items they didn't want anymore. And they would always reconstruct them into a new kitchen or something that you'd mm-hmm. never expect the material to be used in. It was incredible. Their work is incredible. Retrievious is what they're called. They're a really great company. But mm-hmm. they always talk about don't use glue. Anything you use, you can always take that nail, you can reuse it. Just yeah. that will is what will destroy the product, and it's those kind of things I think we all need to be aware of in terms of how we're, yeah, building things around us, building environments around ourselves, not only to do with our clothing, but everything around us. I agree. That's very good. Also, um, and I, I was talking about clothing mainly, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you buy something, buy it to last for a long time. You know, I use the same backpack until it gets a hole in it, and then I put a patch on it. Or until the strap breaks and I sew it back on, you know, I use the same water bottle like every day. Also reusable water bottle. That's so easy. Also, uh, something you can do that's it's actually a really good way to reduce like your carbon footprint is to just like not take a private jet. T- if you'd have like, you know, like a three minute flight you need to be on, just like I don't take a private jet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should probably stop that. Uh, I, I've cut I that out of my have. life. Well done. Well done. That must be hard. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Like, I really enjoyed 
putting three tons of CO2 in the atmosphere so I didn't have to sit in traffic. But it's like the little things, you know, you just have to, you have to make sacrifices sometimes. <laughs> well done. Yeah. You're saving the world on private jet flight time. But I'm, I, I'm what really I was going to say, what you, <laughs> what you touched on there is you're doing like the best possible thing because when we set up Snow Peak in the UK, what we've really mm. been struggling to do is repair the goods to the quality that we can in Japan. So when you go into HQ1 mm. in Japan, this is amazing. Like at one point you have to take off your shoes to go into the special section. It's like amazing. And wow. everyone is so skilled and they're doing such intricate work, but we're really mm. struggling to source anything like that in the UK. So I'm part of something called the Outdoor Industry Association, which is basically like lobbying the outdoor industry. So um, Good. I don't know how much you know about <laughs> well, I don't know how much you know about um, COVID restrictions in the UK, but no, um, very little. When COVID, well, when COVID hit, we were only allowed out for one hour every day. That was it. We had to be inside for the rest of the time at the very beginning of COVID. Wow. Um, yeah. So with that, basically, when Boris Johnson, uh, then prime, well, seemed to be not prime minister. Uh-huh. Um, announced it. It was actually Andrew Denton, who's the president of the OIA, had written a statement about how important it is to be outside, how important mm-hmm. it is to go into the outdoors, for like your mental health, for your well-being, yeah. for, you know, the goodness it gives you, the richness it, it brings to your life, basically, mm-hmm. and saying, everyone's going to lose the plot if we don't go outside for at least an hour a day, which I completely agree with. Um, so that's the kind of work that they do, and actually just bringing people together. So when I was struggling with this problem, um, they've been really great and come up with a big list of people who do repairs in the UK. And we're trying to create mm-hmm. a matrix. So if anyone is in the UK um, and wants to repair something, there'll be all the different specialists that do it. Um, but what we were saying is the best thing for the environment you can do, which you're doing, well done, is learn how to do it yourself. And yeah. we should all be doing our own repairs. And we should want to have that, that feeling of, well, I love that patch because, mm. you know, I learned a new technique the way that I sewed it on or whatever that brings you. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was give it to my mom and she can sew it back on or sew a patch on uh, <laughs> until <laughs> until I went to um, at, at first camp when I did the greater goods Osprey uh, bag making thing. I did learn, you know, the, the, the elementary basics of how to sew. And if I do need to do something in the future, I, I don't feel afraid to like my fiance has a sewing machine, just go take the sewing machine, sew a patch on or something like that. Like I have these, I just made these actually, these little trees and nylon patches and um, they're so on, they're not iron Yeah. They're, and I just, I want to, I've been thinking about where I want to put one, um, but I think I want to sew one onto like a pair of baggies and just like have that there um, just to have it. And that's something when I was making this product too, I was like, you know what? I really want to make something. I don't want to make a t-shirt. I don't want to sell a t-shirt. Everyone is making and selling t-shirts. That's a lot. I want to make something that like you can take and turn it into something cooler. You know what I mean? Like make it, make it part of something bigger. And so that's why I made these, but yeah, um, that's just a little shameless plug trees and You can buy one. Um, uh, friend, <laughs> I will friend, buy one. <laughs> yeah. Everyone go buy one right now. I... Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad that the workshop gave you that confidence. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm sure James would say it's like the same thing. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Really. Good. And what did you do with your first camp patch? What did I do with it? I think I have like a little box. Yeah, here. I have I have like a little box of um, keepsakes 
from all the stuff I've done working with people or, you know, little events that I've done in this whole scene. And I have the patch in that box with um, the Snowpeak postcards as well, I believe. So it's just sitting there. It'll be put on something eventually. But for right now, when I when I make, I, I bought a Reese Cooper chore jacket because Reese Cooper uh, did like a sew it yourself chore jacket thing where they sent you a bunch of uh, material. They sent you some patches, um, that kind of thing. And once I sew that, I'll sew it onto that chore jacket. But for right now, it's sitting there in my room and it's sat there for probably two years untouched because I didn't know how to sew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. You've got to do it. And uh, yeah. Good luck with it. Good luck with that project. It sounds like, yeah. sounds like a really good one. It's on the bucket list for sure, but <laughs> who knows what will happen to it. Uh, yeah. Well, moving on from all of that, uh, we can wander on over to the tree section of the podcast. Um, let's talk about how you got started in the mm, maybe outdoor industry, maybe outdoors in general. Did you go like hiking, camping, anything like that a lot when you were growing up? actually much more into team sports so um when I was growing up I uh, played hockey a lot I did athletics a lot I basically Mm -hmm. like was in every team in school (laughs) (laughs) I think I played county for those sports as well so basically all of my free time Mm -hmm. I was either playing for my school or playing for a county um and then really I got um I was we uh in hockey oh yeah sorry uh, you... so, <laughs> I did so many. It was a bit crazy. But what happened was I was doing, I think I qualified for England in athletics or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was cross country. And there was a big hoo-ha because someone who was like younger than me then got in the England team and I didn't get in the England team uh, because of my age. I used to mm. actually have like fans. It was very strange. It was a strange Nepotism. scene. But That's then... probably why they got in. Did you make like a hate <laughs> post about them? Did you Did you get them cancelled? Uh, I was like, actually, at the moment, I prefer what you guys are called field hockey. I was like, I'm really into field hockey at the moment. I really don't mind. I'll mm. play more of that. But then um, I got um, hit in the face with a ball oh. at, um, uh, I think it was the quarterfinal of the England, uh, south of England, something or other. But anyway, my friend saw <laughs> <Okay>. my cheekbone. <laughs> it was a pretty <laughs> bad injury. I nearly lost my eye. So, wow. um, yeah. And I was at that Jeez. time when I was uh, like competing at such a high level and like, two different sports um but then because of that head injury I lost all of my aerobic fitness because I couldn't do anything like two months because mm-hmm. I could yeah. I mean I can go to school I can really do anything so then I got really into art so mm. then that is kind of how I got into textile design how I ended up mm. like meeting Nigel so it all kind of like feeds into one another and then yeah I'd say I was really, my sister walked the community to Santiago, which is this huge mm-hmm. walk that I did in Spain. Um, and I was really intrigued by it and it sounded really interesting. There's a great film on it called The Way. Um, and it kind of explains it really well, what the walk's all about, how you meet people who are at the crossroads in their life. And I I just left Wilson and I didn't really know what I w- was going to do. I thought about doing an MBA. I thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't know where I was going to turn in my life. And I went into this walk and I just was like, everything's going to work out. I don't need a three-year plan. I'm just going to live day to day. And all I needed to do was get up and walk and find a bed to sleep in, which, you know, it was, it's, it's a really different kind of thing. And people up that open up their homes and you stay in something called a casa. Wow. And it's, it's a really 
<laughs> without sounding like too much of a hippie. It's a really spiritual experience. And yeah, I'll, I, I'd love to do it again. But there's also mm. one in Japan where you go around in a circle, which I'd like to do mm. first. Um, so yeah, um, I've done that thing where I go on off on a tangent and then I forget what I'm actually talking about. Sorry. <laughs> all um, time. We, talk, we were talking about getting into going outside yeah oh yeah so i think that's what really sparked and i mean now in my spare time like i think i've had only like a couple of days off in the last month but i did the three yorkshire peaks with mm-hmm. some friends so we walked the three yorkshire peaks which are all kind of like next to each other which was amazing and i just love it i love being outdoors my two friends are actually going to everest base camp so i'm doing a lot of wow. their training with them uh-huh. um <laughs> So after I get back from Copenhagen, we're doing the South Downs, really beautiful mm. part of the UK. And I think, I mean, I love to surf. Um, I love mm. to walk. I just love being outdoors. And I think with my job, because we're based in this amazing place, my meetings, most of them are walking around fields anyway. And it's just that yeah. nice feeling of being outdoors. And yeah, it brings me a lot of joy. It that makes me focus more when I'm outdoors. It's probably mm. why I'm losing my thread because I'm kind of in a van driving. <laughs> <around>. <laughs> yeah, back in France again for the second time. <laughs> hopefully, we're in Germany soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, that's awesome. Um, my next question for you is: since you do camp so much and you're out in nature so much, what is like your ideal? pack setup and then also um like sleeping camping setup for the most comfortable sleep that you can have i love uh the takibi hexa tarp which you were saying you think you've got you think it might be that one and whoever i'm camping with whether or not it's my friends to the camper van whether or not it's a big group of those that always becomes like the focal point of the campsite Mm -hmm. and so that me brings me the most comfort and it's funny because ollie our store manager um he'll often just be like i'm just going to sleep under the tarp next to the fire so we'll all like have a really nice like i love the immunity home tent by stone peak it's really mm-hmm. easy to put up on your own, um, which I love. It's very difficult to go wrong with it. It's straightforward. It's, yeah, I mean, I could talk about it for ages, but then I feel <laughs> like I'm being a saleswoman, which I don't. I know I'm sales director, but I don't really feel yeah, as myself yeah. like a saleswoman. <laughs> You're just sales director, not saleswoman. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that for me is key. I Some people love a tent they can stand up in. I don't really like that. And I think mm. I do camp all year round. And what, mm. you know, I, I can, I've learned a lot from Snoopy. And I, I really like a very small tent in winter because otherwise it gets so, so cold. Mm. Um, I'm not fussy about what goes underneath my sleeping bag, even if it's just a yoga mat. I, I seem to sleep really well. And I love... Mm. My favorite thing and about the immunity dome, this is I don't this is so so boring for people to worry, but is that you can open it up and the airflow through the tent is so lovely. So I love to sleep with just the mozzie net zipped closed and then mm. most of the empty. And then you kind of like feel really in nature but really protected from the rain. And that's my favorite way of camping. Wonderful. Yeah. I Oh, my next question is, what are, what are the uh, sleeping bag and pad you use? Or do you use a cot? Um, I feel like, are you picking up one more mug every time you drink? Hmm? No, I, I don't know what you're mug. talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I only All have right, this one mug. You, you, sound, you sound crazy. Um, yeah, so I... A Snow Peak sleeping bag. It's the one that if you can zip it together, you can zip out the bottom and poke your feet out. Oh. It's, I don't have the down version because... It's smaller and it packs down, but sometimes I actually want the extra protection of having synthetic fill. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're having issues oh, with uh, French petrol stations, but the petrol is on this. The, sorry, oh, okay, the diesel okay. is on this side, yeah. so that's where the issue is laying. Okay, that's that's okay. I thought it was like your your van just broke down or something. <laughs> no, well, that would to be, be honest, the way the trip's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was a little worried. <laughs> the luck might not be on your side. <laughs> I was like, what else could go wrong? I actually can't believe we've got through customs. Were, were the same people working? No. Uh, we were a bit worried that the people were so lovely this morning when they were like, mm -hmm. we're really sorry, but you can't come in. I, I actually think I tried to bribe them. I was like, can we not pay a fine? I was like, no, that's not. <laughs> so yeah, that, that didn't work for me. I couldn't pay a fine. I was like, I'll just go on to Germany. I'll just pay a fine and go on to Germany. Absolutely yeah. not. Not allowed. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully the trip goes pretty smoothly after that. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I really hope so. Well, we also, when we were contacting up, um, it's actually HHV were taking camping. You might have heard of quite a cool store mm. uh, in Berlin. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, set up a WhatsApp group, WhatsApp group, invite everyone who's coming. Um, I thought we were going to the Black Forest to camp. Apparently, we're mm. not, and it's miles away. And I panicked everyone. We are apparently just going somewhere in East Berlin. I mean, it looks beautiful. It's on a lake. I think it will be great. But the trip's been very confused. And I think it's because... Our Japanese bosses were in the UK for like two weeks. And then I went to Japan for a week. And then, as you know, we had the New Gear show and we also had customers camping with us in the interim. So it's just been crazy. It's just been it sounds crazy. like you live a crazy life, honestly. It sounds like every every time you gave me an update about like, oh, sorry, I was doing this and this and this and this and this and this. And this I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you at all. But it's really enjoyable. That's the main mm -hmm. thing. I love it because I, yeah, it's it, and I'm really looking forward to camping. We did it um, with the Woodward team in Copenhagen. We took 30 mm. people foraging for the day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was with a local forager who was absolutely amazing. Really great guy. And it was really interesting doing it abroad. And we kind of like camped just with the Woodward team the night before. But I mm -hmm. actually like been out at dinner with a department store and then arrived late. And the whole thing, again, was pure chaos which is i think how i operate most of the time but um it was really fun and i think that really gave us the confidence to be able to do this trip and say okay we can really kind of branch out but we are actually on a huge recruitment drive at snow peak which i should probably talk about yeah good so you gotta hit your talking points listening. gotta hit your talking points who <laughs> <laughs> are based in germany or in france or actually in scandinavia uh who speak languages and love the brand uh we are really looking for people on the ground because you know we will only camp probably like eight nights in europe this year but we'll be mm -hmm. 40 nights in the uk and we really want wow. to create these experiences kind of you know across europe not it just being me and matt on the road uh doing mm -hmm. it but i think we're really lucky that did you go into a store in london when you're in the uk did you no visit? i did not i did not go um, i was only in london for like a few hours 
Yeah. Should have come to the best store in London. In I should have. Instead, I, I got off the plane and I went directly to James's workshop. And I just tried oh, to stay amazing. awake for like five hours with him. And then I went back to his house and I fell asleep. And I woke up and I left the next morning. <laughs> that sounds like so. a great thing to do if you only had a few hours. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was um, very it was very Emily of me to just like constantly be moving the entire time. <laughs> there you go. Um what I was gonna say though is because actually is the retail team are really excited that I'm coming on this podcast and we are really lucky that we've got a really great retail team in our store who run amazing workshops mm-hmm. and are all very individual people who just embrace the outdoors and embrace so many different elements of the brand. I think, you know, and they were like I said, they were camping with us last week. We tried mm-hmm. to get the retail team camping as much, and that's the main thing for us on kind of the Snow Peak way. That then all our customers get to meet them and spend time with them, and it is a staff and customer interaction event. And I think that's why we're all really excited about it. Now, sorry, that was pure saleswoman again. I was not going to stop. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Do you want to talk think, about you for a while? <laughs> I think this episode title is going to be called "Drinking the Kool Aid." I think that's probably the best. <laughs> It tastes good though. It tastes like artisan Japanese furniture, clothing, and uh, camping supplies. (laughs) What I was going to say is, I think this is real cool. I chat even more, but I think the (laughs) the breadth of what we do in Japan is so Mm -hmm. huge because, you know, I was saying like our head office is a campsite. We actually have seven campsites. We're probably going to have like 30 by the end of next year. Like, it's really changing and evolving. And, And Lisa, who's our president is mm-hmm. the most inspired well you know I met Nigel Cable when I mm. was 17 and he like inspired my whole career and, and made me get into this industry and then I met Lucy Amai and I was like I've not met anyone like her since I met Nigel and she's just such a creative and mm-hmm. I think I see my role as just supporting her and she's the youngest woman well youngest person ever to be um president of a company that's on the Tokyo Stock Exchange Oh, wow. She's just a really talented, clever, engaging woman. I was, I mm-hmm. was worried that I sound like I've got a, a crush on my boss when I talk about her. Because <laughs> I go all like, like, like starry-eyed. And I'm like, she's just incredible, yeah. but she really is. So. Well, that's, I mean, it's much better than you hating your boss and not wanting to say anything <laughs> nice about her. So. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, Awesome. Uh, I guess you've talked a lot about the future um, already, just casually. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the future of Snow Peak or you going outside or anything like that before we move into the viewer questions? Um, I I think the future for, yeah, I mean, <laughs> talking about the future, I think it is about for us finding this way to be sustainable in, in Europe. And what I like about Snow Peak is like, we always talk about it's finding your own style of camping. Like we offer lots of different styles because we know, you know, Ollie's sleeping next to the fire when we're on our staff camps. I I actually did it once. wasn't that enjoyable. <laughs> I'll be doing it again in a hurry. But it's his favourite style. He's like super lightweight. And we go, well, that's great. You just got to find it and enjoy it. And I think that's what we really want to do in in Snow Peak is, is is really take on board what people want and try and evolve mm. as a company to just make sure more people are getting out outdoors and you know I think my favorite thing is Snow Peak is never 
fastest, highest, hardest, best. It just goes, just go and have a beer on your balcony or, you know, take a meeting outside. And we do outdoor workspaces in Japan. We do have all these different areas of the brand. And it's it's finding what's relevant for Europe and the UK. And it feels like a really... And actually, the Omzen that we've got at head office is absolutely incredible. And it's like a whole different level of like spa experience. It's so Japanese and traditional, yet mm-hmm. modern and forward thinking. Like that's what I really like about it. It's merging so many different things. And I think we want to do that sensitively in the UK and Europe, really looking at what's here already and how we can apply different kind of learnings that we've had in, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I would say also that it's really cool seeing a Japanese brand expanding as much as it is into, you know, America and the UK and all that, because the appreciation of nature and kind of just the relationship with nature and the relationship with goods, I'd say in Japan is so different than that of, you know, Europe and America, where you can see it in Snow Peak, you can see it in tons of Japanese brands. There's such a level of thought and detail that goes into like each item and there's such like a cohesive brand ethos around everything um just like the core of it the the identity is so easy to see and like even with the um wesley richards guns you were showing or you talked about not showing me you weren't pointing a gun at me on the camera but um you were talking about those and like you can see there's like that like just like posh english guy with a gun like i can i can see the i can see the customer you know like i can see the customer and the same thing goes for like most japanese brands and i think that maybe it's just like me fetishizing other cultures or it could just be that i don't like the uh, the normal american consumer but to me it just seems so much more cool to be like oh yeah like the snoopy customer is cooler than I don't know, the Nalgene customer, if we're just going to compare, not obviously not the same two brands, but like the Nalgene customer could be so many different people. And Snow Peak is like, if you buy Snow Peak, you probably do this and this and this and this. And like, you might dress like that. You might look like that. Or, and I just want to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. I'll, I'll share a little bit with you right now, but big fan, big fan. I'm really glad to hear that. I'm glad you're also drinking the Kool-Aid with me. Of it's course, yeah. Lot, I got three mugs here. I got three mugs. They're all filled <laughs> with Kool-Aid. So I wanted to ask you, do you prefer drinking from a single wall or a double wall and why? Ah, this is good. I've actually, I've talked about this, maybe not even on pod, maybe to my friends, but I prefer the single wall if I'm camping because you can actually put the single wall on top of a burner. You can't put a double wall on top of a burner because it will explode Um, because the air will get trapped in it. It will heat up and just expand and explode casually just like around the house i prefer the double wall because i like to have ice in my drinks and you can't i mean the single wall is great if you want to heat something up but you can't keep a drink cold for a long time without it sweating everywhere on my like wood surfaces so the double wall is the the go-to and do you just have the double wall sorry this is this is more sales track no, no, i'm ahead. interested by this just the double wall mug or do you have the stacking mug which i it's actually nests inside each other but i think it's the most beautiful one of the most beautiful products we do i don't have the stacking mug i i all the mugs i have um have like the handle on them do this do the stacking mugs have a handle as well or no no, and there are different. So the, yours has the snowflake logo on. This just says mm-hmm. snow, uh, snow peak in Japanese uh, characters down the front. Um, no handle. We do it in different sizes. So we do a H, which is taller, mm-hmm. and an M, which is like wider base. And mm-hmm. they say they stack, but they actually nest. 
hostage you know what I'm mm. so they go like inside each other yeah yeah um it's i think it's a really great product i'm looking at it right also, now yeah they look and very you cool. just it's funny because I go into a lot of um, fashion stores that we work with and I say to people, do you know the difference? And, and no one does. And you articulated it so well. <laughs> you could you could do some Snowflake stuff training for it. Hey, uh, yeah. Uh, put me on payroll. I'd, I'd absolutely love that. <laughs> <laughs> Get me in touch with uh, Snowpeak USA. We can, we can work something out. <laughs> sure thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know how saying this trip is doomed. Oh, what can, happened? We can, we can top off at the last place. I've just realised. So um, this now also looks very confusing, but we're going to give it a go, and hopefully we'll get some petrol soon. Oh my! Give it a go. Or diesel, because if we put petrol in, that would really bugger us. So mm. <laughs> we get some diesel soon. I hope so too, for your sake, for the sake of the trip. I never I'm made sorry. it to see those guys camping in Berlin. I'm sorry. We'll work it out. We'll get there eventually. Um. Okay. I have questions for you now. You have quite a few. Here we go. The first question is from Jen Hockenhol. She says, Emily, I love your ideas to the outdoor way of life. Any tips or brands and collab with Snow Peak soon? I you don't have don't to answer. You can ones... say... You can say legally you can answer. <laughs> uh, there's one really, really exciting one that we're driving from the UK, um, mm-hmm. which watch this space. Um, I'd say it's with um a brand that yeah, I I I am so bad at telling everyone <laughs> everything. So I'm actually no, just good. gonna try it. I can say there's going to be another New Balance collab. That's what I can say. <laughs> so right. that I think is the and the, the the Pendleton collaboration is continuing, but I don't think I should say more than that because I literally can't stop myself talking about it. So okay. because this is <laughs> no one signed an NDA, I don't think I should say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll cut you off. I'll just ask the next question before you can keep going. Um, <laughs> outdoor wreck would like to know. Outdoor Reese, Outdoor Rec, one of the two, R E C C E. Uh, when will the Snow Peak Gigapower gas bottles be available in store? Um, very good question. So we mm. are applying for CE certificates at the moment for our gas products. Um, mm. Yeah. So it, I've been saying for the last six months to the buyers I work with, I'm sure it's just going to be six months and it's going to be ready, <laughs> but there's problems with testing the rubber and we were testing mm. the rubber ring and they wanted the actual like original form of the rubber. And we were, a lot of the gas products are all made in Korea. Um, long, long story about getting different component parts. I really hope it's looking like January, but I've played this game before. So I'm going to say everyone keep their fingers crossed collectively and hopefully early next year. Okay. Hopefully January. Hopefully. Yeah. So I, I do all the purchasing for Snowflake and I actually had a meeting yesterday to say, can I start purchasing them now? Like, are we far enough down the line that mm-hmm. we can buy them into stock? And they said, maybe next month. And I've never heard maybe next month before. So that's what there makes me feel excited. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's your answer. <laughs> maybe next month and maybe January. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Stofsky asks, well, not really. They say, not a question, but just wanted to say the staff are so lovely and chatty. 
every time I go there. Echoing uh, what you said earlier, I, a fellow Kool-Aid drinker, it sounds. <laughs> I'm really glad because we have a great, should I name them? Our retail team. So we've got yeah, go Seshi. We've got Seshi in the store, who's excellent. We've got Jackson. We've got Charlie. We've got Frankie. We've got Ollie. And I'm sure there's someone that I've missed, which will be embarrassing. But they're amazing. And please, everyone, go and see them. Um, they make wonderful coffee. Um, we're actually doing a big festival in a few weekends' time. Uh, well, there'll be loads of like workshops in the store that some of our teams. So, like Frankie's doing an amazing like um, make your own bottle carrier, not like Jameson's. It's like a nice knotted one. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, uh, Jackson is doing an amazing like Japanese um, repair stitching workshop. So I think it will be a really nice uh, time. If people can't make it to the Snowpeak way, it'll be a really good time to meet the whole team. And that's also companies I've worked in before. I felt there's been a real big um, head office retail divide within the team. Where actually, mm. like retail is the main like heartbeat of our business. Okay. I feel I, I, I've always loved retail. Um, I used to work on the shop floor at Selfridges when I was studying. And I love that buzz of like meeting the customers. And I think it's so important for brands to like have that interesting experience. And it's changing so much as the landscape. And is it more of an experience going into store? You know, we we were, I always say to the guys, like, I don't really care what the end of day figure is. I want to know how that customer's left feeling and like, mm-hmm. where do they go camping? Like, so we actually, with our end of days, it's not all about the figures. It's sharing campsites people have recommended. It's like telling their camping stories, which mm-hmm. for me is what I want. I want people to come into our store and have a great experience. And I want everyone to leave feeling, what was that guy's name? And thank you for that comment. Whoever that, what was that guy's oh, name? Oh, Sofsky. So uh, she works for um, Proper Mag. And Hyperdelic and all that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, thank you so much for that comment. I really am so thrilled to hear it. And yeah, it, it really brings me a lot of joy. So they're a great, great bunch of people. That is very cool to hear too about the end of day reports and all that because I am working retail right now while looking for a big boy job. And uh, end of day reports are one of my least favorite things because like they say, oh, write a little something about how the day went. And it was like, well, it was a slow day here to begin with. But then things really picked up around noon. We sold a lot of this product. It's like, dude, it's just so boring. It just it seems like it's a writing prompt from freshman year. Just not, not engaging. Yeah, but Go on, sorry, go on. It's, it's interesting because no. what I like to hear about is like how people have found using Snowpeak products has changed their experience. So that's mm-hmm. people know that I get really excited when that's in the end <laughs> of day when people yeah talk about how it makes them feel it, it yeah. is what's really important to us, I think. Obviously, well, we still for, need to make money, but that for us is the most yeah, important thing. Yeah. For me, I, I work in a place where it's like, it's it's an outdoor it's a quote unquote outdoor retailer, but basically they sell product for people who kind of act like they want to go outside, at least at our location. I mean, they sell a lot of outdoor gear, but like the place where I'm at, they just buy a bunch of like on running shoes and like Viore tops and stuff to like walk around in. So it's not as fulfilling every once in a while you have the person who's like, Oh yeah, I'm going on like a camping trip to Montana or like I'm going here, here, here. I'm like, Oh sick. Like I can actually recommend you some like good stuff to have. Um, and if we don't carry it, REI will. And like, you can go there and like, here's what you should bring. Um, 
But for most of the time, it's the guy coming in saying, I just want a good shoe to walk around it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, here's a cloud five. Like, <laughs> be on your way. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that's part of the, I really, you know, you went to outside a store in Manchester, mm-hmm. right? I, I did not actually know. I just went to their, I went uh, to their offices. Did you get to go up on the roof? I did. Yeah, I went on the roof. <laughs> it's so cool, isn't it? It's super cool. Yeah. So that's, that's where we decided we were going to do first camp. I don't, oh, sorry. <laughs> Fan problems. Um, we had our first meeting about first camp on that roof and it was mm-hmm. so brilliant being outside, sat in the Helenox chairs by the Snowfeet fire pit. And we were like, we're just going to do this and let's, let, let's make it happen. I think it's a really inspiring working environment, the mill. It's super and cool. Yeah, it's very nice. The team is so creative, like from the photography they do to the styling. I mean, and they're just all such nice people. We yeah. really love working with them. It was really cool. Yeah, very, very nice guys over there. I'm hoping to have them on at some point. I was talking to Fred about getting on like three or four people at once and doing like a group episode. And I'd love to do that at some point too, but people get busy. I get busy. I've been busy. So you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Really actually, you, you... Yeah, I, I, you were just sitting down. You were just you were you were being pretty lazy the last couple of weeks. I heard that's the story that's been going yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um A happy <laughs> camper, a happy camper would like to know: Did Snow Peak start as an outdoor gear company or clothing company or both? Yeah. So, so um, it actually started as um, a mountaineering company. So it's actually Lisa, who I was talking about earlier, our president. It's her grandfather, UKMI. Um, he'd had a really difficult time during World War II and his house had been bombed and he was really struggling, uh, I think, with life in general and found solace by going up into the mountains. Mm-hmm. He actually was a metal wholesaler at the time and he was just finding the products he, use, he was using weren't then basically performing in the way that he wanted to. So it's it mm-hmm. basically about the same time Patagonia started, but completely separately, like yeah, yeah. in Japan, um, not, parallel not thinking. really, you know, yeah, parallel thinking, different countries. Great, great phrase from you. Um, and yeah, that's how it started. It was like an ice pick, it was a crampon, it was mm-hmm. like all those products that you need. And then, um, when Toru, who was Yuko's son, joined, he'd been studying actually in America and he'd become really inspired by people just like camping out in their backyard and the idea of you know, you don't have to do an extreme activity. And mm-hmm. Yuri, who's worked for Snow Peak for like 15 years, who's amazing and was really instrumental in setting up the UK business. She tells this great story about Toru, who's our CEO. And she says that Yukio, his father, she said to him, you're too reckless to go into the mountains. So you have to find your own connection to nature, but it can't, it basically not allowed there. So he found his connection was basically car camping and he brought that to Japan. So mm. I said to Toru, was your first product like this folding kitchen because I know there's lots of stories about it and he was like no my first concept was that you have these different areas when you're camping so it's about creating the home but outside so you have your kitchen area your sleeping area your dining area and it becomes this comforts of home but in the outdoors and that's kind Mm. of what's been the driving force behind Snow Peak this entire time Um, and then Lisa and I joined in 2014 and she uh, brought in the clothing collection. So we were predominantly gear for years and years and years. Um, I think the way we are in the UK, it's quite different to Japan. So 
in mm. Japan, it's 80% gear, 20% apparel, where we're, we, we used oh. to be the other way around. Mm. So when I first started, uh, well, in my first year of the business, it was like 80% apparel and 20% gear. And then actually COVID was the catalyst that changed that for us. And now we're at 50-50. So it's been really interesting. Yes, yeah, so, so that was quite a long. That was quite a long answer to a very short question. Wasn't no, it's good. I, 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 love, I love history. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it started around that time or basis of it all. It's good. I'm sure a happy camper will be happy with that answer as well. Um, right. There was such a bad pun I could have made there, but I'm not going to. Uh, the next question is from Unknown Spaces. They would like to know why haven't you sponsored me? And I think you know, Mr. Spaces is so generous that. He's asking, why haven't you sponsored me, Trees and Nylon? Because I don't think he'd be selfish enough to to come on my podcast and ask why you haven't sponsored him. Um, so yeah, why haven't you sponsored me? So we, we don't sponsor anyone. That's really not a very good answer, is it? Yeah, we don't no, no, that's, do any that's sponsorships. What I've heard. I've heard. Um, so I also, um, we, we looked at actually like pulling all of our publicity budget and actually what we're trying to do. Oh my God, mm. we've finally got diesel going into the van. This is a very exciting moment. Uh, <laughs> three different petrol stations. But three. We're this, wow. <laughs> this, doomed, this doomed trip might actually finally get this destination. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we also, yeah, we're, we're looking at not doing like traditional PR um and actually mm-hmm. we want to put that money into taking people camping and we're yeah. still looking at what that looks like and is it we keep saying like it's all very well that people can pay to come camping but then how do we give back to that community because i think yeah. in japan you know we work actually with local governments in areas mm-hmm. of low unemployment to put the campsites in an area that's going to generate summer revenue so we work really closely with the government in that way. And it's like fascinating when you look at how it impacts the community. And when I was in Kochi on the Snow Peak Way during the crazy weather, like I met the local fishermen who came and like cooked katsuo mm. fish on hay. And it was mm. all about that. This is local. This is creating. Yeah. And, and that's what we're really trying to drill down into. Okay, well, our office is in Surrey. What does that look like from what we're giving back to the community and then? we're still very young you know we're only three years old as a uk business and there's a lot we're getting wrong and there's a lot we're still working out but um yeah that's where we want to get to that actually those customer camping events then somehow we pull any like revenue from that and then put it back into other community events but we just haven't quite figured out what that looks like at the moment but yeah there's lots we're trying to look into in terms of groups within surrey that we think we should be supporting Mm. i love that though i think that's a very unique and a very Mm, I don't know the word for it. Effective or active, actively trying to change the way things are done, you know, because you can just send someone a product and they'll shoot a video or shoot a picture of it and put on their story. That's like, you know, that's, that's nothing. You're not actually getting anyone out into nature. You're just promoting a brand kind of passively. And I think having camping trips or whatever you plan on doing with that is, I like that. I like that a lot. I wish some more brands would do that. And actually, when I first started this, this whole thing back, whatever, a year, two years ago, I emailed Reese Cooper and I said, Hey, I like what you're doing with like, you know, mixing the whole outdoors with fashion thing. I definitely could find the email. But anyway, um, I like what you're doing with this whole scene and like kind of, you know, melding a little bit of the outdoors, trying to act like you're an outdoor brand. I enjoy that. You should do like a camping event in california or in the in america somewhere 
like around your brand or like you should have a pop-up shop on the top of a mountain somewhere and like make people walk to it. If you really want to embrace that, uh, if you really want to embrace that ethos and I send it to him and I said, that one's free. <laughs> you can, you can, you can pay me for the next one. Never got an answer back. And they never did anything like that in the future. But it was just something that was like, if you're going to be an outdoor brand, why would you not be actively trying to get more people outdoors? You know, like even like REI, they'll have, they'll have like local, like, Oh, this is a hike we're doing this week. We're going paddleboarding this week. We're doing something like that. And that's at every REI they'll have that. But I don't see a lot of brands that do that kind of thing. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity because if you truly are about getting outside, you should be trying to help people go outside with events or something like that. Yeah. And I think we talk um, as a company a lot about what the barriers to camping and I won't name any names, but I've had certain groups of buyers and they've been scared to stay in a tent on their own. So then they've actually ended up staying in a tent together because they've had this anxiety that they've actually not slept in a tent before. And we did some workshops in the store as well with customers saying like, little shade. okay, well, I, sorry, little shade, little, little tea. <laughs> um, well, it's like, it, it's like, what, how do you get there? Like when you go camping with your friends, Mm-hmm. but it's like it's quite complicated knowing what gear you've got to take people have all this like worry about forgetting stuff and I, there's yeah. a lot of anxiety for people who aren't used to camping but yeah my advice to people around that would be like it all will work itself out and you'll be in a community where people want to support you and yeah. if you forgot shotgun plates the people who are camping next to you can probably lend you theirs and they're actually really nice and you wash them up and you give them back mm-hmm. um I think that for me is is what I like about camping is that community that comes together and it's about how do we make that more accessible for other people who have anxiety around it as well is quite important for us as a company. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good answer. But I've digressed again there. Sorry. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> no, one of my weird rants, wasn't it? I was like, oh my God. And the barriers to camping, we talk about it so much. But yeah, it's something we're really trying to break down. And we keep saying like, what does that look like? And is it that we put a bus on from our store and people meet once a month and go to a different campsite and, you know, then they don't have that travel anxiety. And how can we remove those barriers for people? Because nice. how did you get into camping? What What gave you the confidence to start going? Um, I went a lot when I was a kid. My dad took me camping just to like a local state park, rent a campsite. Every Labor Day would go up and he would do that. Um, and I was always just kind of around nature growing up. Uh, we never, we didn't necessarily go camping whenever we went somewhere, but I was around it enough and I'd always play outside and it was just kind of part of my life growing up. And then lockdown, obviously, as most people in this area, or at least the people that I talked to, uh, lockdown happened, COVID happened. They're like, I want to go outside. I, it's like in America, that's like all you could do because we didn't, we weren't limited outside time. It was, you had to either be going for essentials or like, you know, going to a state park or national park or whatever. And even, even national parks were closed for a bit if they were getting too crowded. There was like a, a limit on cars that could enter. But me and my friends hang out every week. So it was like, you know what, let's just like go on a hike. Like, okay, cool. I, I was like casually getting into the scene more and more. You know, I followed Organic Lab. I was I was buying Solomons. I was I was getting into it all. And um, we went on a couple hikes. And then he was like, you know what? Up the Appalachian Trail few miles i know a spot where we can camp it's like first come first serve there's no reservations you don't pay for it literally if someone's there you just leave go somewhere else so we did that did it a few times and then we just scheduled a camping trip and went to the smokies and it was kind of just you know all downhill from there we just go on these one-nighters 
we would go on day hikes, smoky trip. Like every year we go to the Smokies basically now for the past three years. Um, but yeah, that's how I got into it. And it really started like 2020. So it's been only two years. Okay. Yeah. It's very really fun though, isn't it? Extremely fun. And especially like when I was getting into it all, the one thing I was worried about was I don't want to have to pay $12 to $20 to stay at a campsite. I don't want to be around all these people at a campsite, which I know it's a little different than the smoke snow peak community, but I was there with my friends and I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to, you know, I wanted to get rowdy at night. I didn't want to have to like be quiet for all the families that were there. Um, a little bit different scenario, but, uh, it was really cool finding like wild camping spots too. And we've been exploring some different ones as well, like in the area where you don't have to make a reservation, you just go there and set up camp with your friends and get a camp out. And I think the original question you asked me was getting over the anxiety of it all. And I, the only time I was really anxious was when I was sleeping in a hammock for the first time, which I do prefer. But the first time I slept in a hammock, it was scary. Cause like, there's just, it's just you in the sky and this, this, anyone because when you're in a tent you feel like you're a little safe you, you know you feel like you know if someone <laughs> is trying to peek at me or whatever they might not get a good look because of, there's a rain fly over me but in a in a hammock they could just be right in your face you could wake up to a guy right in your face and that's scary um yeah. you get over it you just kind of get over it at some point you just fall asleep and then you're over it you know you just you face that fear and you're done well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I think it goes back to, 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 I think you found like your style of camping that you're really comfortable with it. And I think that's mm. amazing. And it's really good to explore those. And Ollie, I, I keep talking about Ollie, our retail manager, but he's <laughs> brilliant because he's super lightweight. But then, you know, when he took his girlfriend, she'd always be like, I'm never going camping with you because you're so lightweight. I find it like too mm. much. And it's all like the smallest titanium goods you can find. And he's always yeah. super worried about weight. But then that kind of changed at Snow Peak because then his girlfriend was like, oh, there's a different way to come. It's like you've got <laughs> the sofa that turns into the bed that turns yep. into like, you know, the, the shelving unit. And it kind of like really changed her perception of what camping was. And I think that's yeah. why it's so exciting. There are so many different ways and there's always new stuff to try and, and new places to explore exactly it's like what you said about the original message was to bring the home amen home amenities out into nature and that's kind of you know yeah. like when my mom goes camping she sleeps on essentially an air mattress it's huge but she enjoys it and it's like it, it's what it's what works for her and it brings her out into nature more and that's cool because she still gets to enjoy the outdoors just like i do just in a different way yeah yeah she's fantastic style and i think that's what's great Exactly. Um, the next question is from Suave Aguas. They would like to know, what are your favorite snow peak pieces to bring camping? Which we've already talked a little bit about your setup, but is there like a hidden gem that you haven't talked about yet that you like to bring? Uh, my, yeah, there is. Oh, <laughs> it, good, is good. <laughs> it is the Trevisino, which I actually have mine in the back of the van because we sell out of it all the time that I accidentally <laughs> then sell my sample. And then I'm like, Oh no, I don't have a Tremazino to show anyone. And it is a cast, um, aluminum sandwich toaster. But oh. it also then you can attach it and turn it into two pounds. So you can make these amazing square eggs in the morning. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I just absolutely, as so I bought it for my best friend and she uses it on her gas stove at home. I use mm -hmm. mine on my Arbor at home. I use it in the, mine's actually gone completely black because my favorite way to 
uh, cook a toasted cheese sandwich is to put it right into the coals and then put coals on the top and then it cooks really, really quickly. But because I've done mm. that so many times, it's now gone completely black. Um, <laughs> but it's just a really fun piece of kit and it's really versatile and it turns the bread. You put the bread like all the way across and then mm. you, you like clamp it down and it gets this incredible like crispy crunch in the join in the middle where you cut it and it's just delicious and fun and one of my best ever staff camps that we did with all of the retail and head office team was actually an Orvis fishing site and they mm. never let anyone come before and they were really great at us back now we um, learned to fly fish and mm. um, we really made this huge potato salad the night before and had way too many potatoes boiled mm. so the next day I used it to make um, like a little like hash brown and then oh. egg in one side and then I made it for everyone and they had this funny like square hash brown and square egg and, a tiny, and it was just I think I made them like hours and then other people were coming fishing and I was like oh we've got some left do you want one and it was just a really it was a really nice experience um, nice. so yeah definitely the Tremazino is my favourite snow peak product but I, I say that also like the fire pit like yeah, yeah. CMI talks about it in a really authentic way where it's like it, it's the most like basic thing we can do as humans you know, we've created fire, sit by the fire, sit yeah. the fire sharing food. It like it like really takes you back. And um yeah, I think it's really it, it's really special the fire pit. And I we used to make it in head office. Um so we make two sizes in head office now, just the mm. medium and the small. So it, it goes back to it looking a bit like a Bond <laughs> Bond villain's palace. But mm. it is that like you go down this precision engineering happening making the fire pits and they've stopped making the large one there but the one that I bought when I started the snow peak is a large made at headquarters fire pit which I absolutely love and it's that joy of when you start first start using it it starts anodizing it changing color and it goes through mm. like greens and purples mm. and then mine's like completely black and it's yeah again a bit like my Trevor's you know I use it like every week it's it's been put through its paces but it's it's a really um can't really find the words. So I've been up for so many hours. <laughs> so exhausted. It really, you feel connected to people when you're sat around it, and it feels, yeah, feels great. <laughs> <laughs> it feels great camping by the fiber. Awesome. Um, with the staying on the product train, real quick, Jossie would like to know um, what's one product that Snowpeak doesn't make that you wish they did. God. Um, I don't, uh, really weirdly, <laughs> it is um, a bag for the uh, like massive sofa that we do that turns into the bed and mm -hmm. turns into the shelving unit and uh, turns into two tables and a chair because it is just a bit of a pain to move around when we put it up everywhere. So it's a really amazing product to use. And I, the thing that I love most about Snowpeak is they always create products which I never thought that I knew needed. Mm -hmm. And it's really unexpectedly wonderful. Like I love the fact about that sofa, you can have it with a more upright back or yeah. you can change it and turn it the other way and it can be a more relaxed setting. So mm -hmm. you're slightly leaning back. I didn't know I needed stuff like that in my life, but I really love <laughs> it. And <laughs> I 
me miles. But um, I think it's that 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 is my favorite thing about Snow Peak. It's I never knew I needed the products before they mm. developed them, but it all comes from yeah. when we do these Snow Peak waves. We have something called Takibi time. So Takibi means bonfire in Japanese, and it's when we sit mm. around with our customers and they go, "I really love my um, fire." It, but I need a firing table or I love my IGT but I need a kitchen roll holder so that's the way that we kind of go about product development it's talking to customers about what they need and how how their lives are changing without telling you too much about the new products that are coming out that's what I really loved like we really heard about our customers journey with us when we were at headquarters a few weeks ago talking mm-hmm. about how their style of camping's changed and how we can evolve as a company to provide it. But sorry, this is going all salesperson. <laughs> too, sorry, I just can't help but yeah. switch into it. Kool-Aid again, I'll put it down. I'll put down as campfire for the Kool-Aid. No, it's all good. Uh, I don't think you answered the question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if I knew what it was, I'd bring product development and be like, please, can you make this for me? Because uh, they do, they, they listen to people. So if anyone's got any great ideas about things they think Snow Peak should use, Sorry, we nearly crashed then. Sorry. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So uh, if anyone's got any ideas of what Snow Peak should be making and they aren't making, uh, let our retail team know. Let me know and we'll look into it. But I don't know because I would have told them already and asked them to make it. <laughs> All right. You might be getting an email soon from Mr. Jossie. So I'm just putting, I'm just, I'm just right. letting you know. Yeah. Um, I'll look forward to that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another question from Kaito Kawamura, actually the person who took me around Japan that one time that I talked about it. Maybe it was pre-pod. Ah, Maybe it was post- yeah, during yeah. pod. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, he asked, "Can you get trees a job there?" So shout out to my boy Kaito for for looking out for me. But we'll move on to the next question. Do you want to work <laughs> in Snoopy UK? <laughs> yeah, that's the We're thing. I, uh, I'd like to. I like to stay in the US. So. <laughs> that's the thing oh i can't really do anything about the u.s i'm yeah, sorry but if you good. ever want to move to europe <laughs> you're you're the top of the list <laughs> the person i'll contact right. <laughs> <laughs> um the next the next question what's well, not really a question it seems to be more of a demand from samuel hitchin says tell them to open a store in manchester my whole bank account would go into that I think he actually told me that last time I did a pop up in Manchester. Oh, really? um, I'd say, yeah, we are looking at expanding throughout the UK. And um, as I can release details of venues mm-hmm. we're looking at, uh, he'll find out. Okay. <laughs> where there it you will go. Be. But <laughs> we, are, we are looking at UK expansion of retail. So you might be in luck. Beautiful. And uh, actually, that kind of ties into the next question from Oi Luki, who says, do you have any plans to open a second location? <laughs> so you just you just answered that. <laughs> Twofer. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think that more than one other location. And I think um, I kept joking with our MD that when we hit a certain financial figure, mm. I'd leave unless we could find investment for our campsites. And uh, we're going to hit that figure this year. And he has said we can have a campsite. So it's really exciting. So we're also looking for a campsite in the UK. And it will be based on the Japanese designs of our campsites out there. And I think it will be really exciting. Beautiful. Yeah. 
don't think next year. It might be the year after. But that's yeah, yeah. that's where eventually, we'll eventually, just like the uh, yeah. just like getting yeah. the Giga Power, the Giga Power gas in uh, in stores eventually. <laughs> Yeah, we have ever-moving timelines at Snow Peak. So, you know, some things happen real quick and then other things, yeah, are ever-moving. Yeah. But it, it's all exciting. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Uh, well, the last question that I have for you today is from Go Outside More. They ask, what coffee do you use in the store? Because it's amazing. So we use workshop coffee. And uh, again, they're actually coming to the Snow Peak Way, which will be really nice. So we kind of... They were amazing when we set up the store and it was an incredible experience that Lucy and I came over from Japan and she was with us until midnight every night, re-merchandising oh. in the run-up to like opening the store. And mm-hmm. I'd be like steaming clothes, talking to Lisa if she re-merchandised. And you know, when people just really get involved and we go to like Chinatown for dinner every night mm-hmm. at like one in the morning when we were like, we just can't, we can't be merchandise anymore. But it felt like this incredible team experience and part of that team workshop supported us in the most incredible way. We had this big press day, we had the team from Monocle down and they mm-hmm. came and made coffees for us. So they work really closely with their producers. They are an amazing company. They do great subscriptions. Um, if you look at workshop coffee and what they do, they've got a lovely mm-hmm. roastery over in East London. Um, and they just got what we did and we love what they did and it, it felt like a great partnership so again with anyone we look at working with it's not just like oh we'll have your coffee it's like how can we do an event together let's make this <laughs> a bit more meaningful come camping with us um there we'll do pour over coffee outside outside <laughs> the store so uh-huh. yeah it's fun nice and was that the same coffee that was at the um first camp or was it different yeah it was so nice. we actually have a, a, a Lamazocco machine though in stores. So you get like an espresso or a latte, mm. whereas we just did V64 over coffee at first cap. So it's just like oh, one wow. style, which is easy to start mm-hmm. So different processes, nice. but same beans essentially. Okay. I am a little bit of a coffee noob. I haven't, I haven't really, I never drink coffee. I always just drink water in the mornings or like tea. And, um, and also not black tea either. I'm going to come out and say that. I don't, I'm not a big fan of like an English breakfast tea. I like a green tea. During the summer, I like barley tea. I got into that over in Japan and that I like, I make that. That's what's in this cup right now is some barley tea. Um, good stuff. But anyway. What's in the other tea? <laughs> uh, actually nothing. It was just, it was just a, it's just a gag. It's just a bit I was, I was doing on you. Um, <laughs> but when I was in Hawaii, I tried Kona coffee. And it was it was pretty good. I heard. Do you know what pea berry coffee is? Oh. Okay. So basically, coffee coffee beans are you know they're cut in half. Each bean is like a half of one whole bean. A pea berry is a whole bean, and so it used they used to just be rejected. They used to just be thrown out and not sold, or they just be coupled in there. And every once in a while, be like, oh, I have a whole coffee bean. That's funny. But then they realized that the pea berries are really rare. And they taste better because they absorb more flavor. So you can buy pea berry coffee, which is whole beans. And you know, you're supposed to buy it whole and then grind it yourself to make sure that's all pea berry. Because if you buy ground pea berry, how do you know it's all whole beans? You know, it's just it's a whole thing. Okay. But we bought some and it was it tasted honestly, um for me, from someone who doesn't drink much coffee, it was the smoothest and the 
least offensive coffee I've ever had. It was like, it was almost like a coffee tea is what it tasted like. It wasn't, it wasn't bitter. It wasn't sharp. It wasn't, it wasn't like a jarring taste. It was just very smooth and subtle. And I really liked it. Uh, I don't drink it. How did you have it brewed? Was it like uh, AeroPress or B60 or how was it actually after it's ground? I don't know. Emily, come on. You could ask. I just told you, I, don't, I have no idea. Um, it was, it was just, it was brewed. It was, um, I think they're, they're, I know they're pre-roasted and you just grind them up and you put them in the coffee maker and then the coffee maker makes it. And that's how my fiance did it. And I tried and it was good. It was good. But I'm sure it could be improved upon. I have, I, again, I don't, I don't know. I'm hitting that wall in life where sometimes when I wake up, I'm just really tired and I'm thinking to myself, maybe I should start drinking coffee, but also, I don't know. It's, it's nice to not do that every morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty addicted to coffee, so I don't know. <laughs> that, that was my question. Is uh, I'm like, I... I know how much you're moving around and stuff. I can only I can only imagine how much coffee you're drinking. Uh, I don't drink coffee past midday normally. Mm. So I'm going to finish up midday. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, at first camp, actually, this is funny. One of the guys I was with, uh, Jamie, he apparently he drinks like five or six cups a day. And I didn't know that about him. So when we got to first camp, the, after the first night, he was kind of tweaking out and he was like, I've got, I got to go to the cafe. He ordered like two cappuccinos at the cafe. He had the pour over, pour over coffee that you guys were offering up. And he was like, I, th- I think I'll be good for like another four hours if I have this, but I might need to go get another cappuccino because he was going through some, some crazy, some crazy emotions, not having coffee for like 24 hours. In yeah. terms of first camp, like what do you think we could have improved? I don't know. More, more coffee really. for that guy. Yeah, not coffee. <laughs> yeah, more coffee for Jamie. He needs his own designated <laughs> coffee stand. Um, I don't know. I feel like earlier I talked about like when it was more recent, I talked about some things that I would have improved. Um maybe, yeah, I don't know. Cause like I feel like it was it was the perfect amount of events to free time where I had time to eat. I think it might've been Saturday during the day where like there was nothing going on in the afternoon and we were going to go swimming, but then we decided to go bouldering at a nearby gym. So we did that instead. And that was like really fun. Cause I, that was how I got into bouldering. Cause I never done that before since I was like eight. So now I'm back into bouldering. So I'm not going to say that was a bad thing that I wish didn't happen. Um, so truly, I don't know. I feel like it was playing really, really well. Um, I don't know. It was kind of hot. I I don't know. Really, hot amazing out. British weather. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think Charlie and the Outsiders team was so great at like curating everything. Yeah, and definitely. I think you know his stroke of genius, which I you, I think you must have missed then on the Saturday afternoon the egg and the sport race. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't. It was. I think it was before the egg and sport race, and the only reason why. I had time was because I did the bottle bag making. So I was part of the first round of that. So while other people were doing their bottle bags, I had a lot of free time. And that's the only reason why. So again, it's not actually even a criticism because I could have been doing something else or I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, It made sense why I was that way. And it didn't inconvenience me at all. I didn't feel like I was just sitting there with nothing to do. 
Well, Emily, after some after some technical difficulties, I want to say congratulations on being in Belgium, being out of France. Uh, it took all day, <laughs> but you so finally much. did it. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and second, I want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you to the viewers for the good questions too. Um, you came through. So I want to say me personally, thank you to the people for that. Yeah, of course. Um, Always a pleasure to have on such a knowledgeable guest. I want to reiterate, firstly, thank you for being our furthest traveling guest at First Camp. (laughs) Of course. I, when I presented it to the board and I was like, can you believe (laughs) someone came from America and they were like, you've made it up. I was like, I can put you in touch with them if you'd like. Yeah, (laughs) But they were so thrilled. (laughs) that yeah <laughs> maybe i mean lisa would be a great guest but we'd struggle mm. with her definitely she's as i keep saying she's so inspiring but um mm. i yeah thank you for having me on it's it's really nice and i think when i look at back at first i don't know if i can say this on your podcast it's the right or, or wrong thing to say but <laughs> okay. i i looked at gore in a way that i was like oh i don't really get gore gore it's something that is such a look. And what I learned from, I think, a lot of people at first camp that it isn't, it is the lifestyle. I was so inspired by like them just setting up a walk and taking people out into nature. And what I'm trying to do at Snow Peak and banging on about, like they're doing every weekend, they already do it with their mates and you do it with your mates. And I think if anyone can take away one thing, it's just like enjoying getting outside. And I really hope that everyone does that. It, I don't think anyone really cares if you're on your Solomons or your Red Wings, but just go and do it. And it's much easier than you think. And enjoy yeah, the, the nature and world around you and the people you find in it. I think it's really important. But sorry, that, that was all cool lady again, wasn't it? I just wanted to say. <laughs> no, no, that was good. That was good. That was, that was less cool lady as it was more... Um... <laughs> enjoy it was more it was more wholesome less cool lady more wholesome it was a little bit there was a little bit of snow peak propaganda but for the most part that was that was a good wholesome <laughs> little chat no well i wanted to say i i my perceptions were changed on but you don't like the word book do you no no it's kind of cringe i mean it's the best way to describe the way that i dress it's not actually though it's a, it's a good way to describe how some people dress but it is I don't know. It's, I'm in a weird gray gray area with it right now. Where obviously it is a style, but I don't know. I'm evolving. <laughs> I'm changing. <laughs> Aren't we all? Oh, let's hope we all are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you again for coming and contributing and making. We're really excited about um, putting together First Cup 2. Um, and I'm really looking forward to working with the Outsiders team again. Mm-hmm. Um, on that and other projects because they're just a really great, great bunch of people. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love so to be there when it happens again. <laughs> <laughs> and connecting exactly. to great people again. Super. Well, thank you again. And uh, keep in touch. Of course. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Yeah, I need a piece of this about this form.